Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Shirt Show! All right! Episode 165 of Shirt Show! We're talking with Brian from Dutch Bike Dudes in California. Let's go! Hey, Sugar Lips. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? Hey. You got a fresh hat? No, it's the same. Ooh, positive seen, vibes. You've seen that one before. I need that. Well, that's why I wore it. I just sensed that Thanks. you could use a few of those type of vibes. Cool. Yeah. You look cute. Thanks. What's up with the shirt? I can't read it. It's my dinosaur shirt. Mm. It says blasting the Past on it. It's got some... Some dinosaurs. Hmm. Okay. You didn't have to touch yourself there. I was showing you the print. Oh, okay. So it is the week before the week before. Summer camp. Before summer camp. Yeah. Yeah. You know what that means? Crunch time. Yeah, we got to button it all up. We should probably start planning this thing. Yeah, I figured we could probably all do it just like next week. I don't know. Like the I'm day just, of when I get yeah. there Thursday morning. Yeah. Can you just come to town and do it? Because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, no, um, we look, we've got a lot locked in. Mm-hmm. And I am now, I, t- I said this yesterday when we were chatting that I am now officially, a, I guess, an event coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a damn good um, one, too. Yeah. Um, if I make it to camp alive, it'll be, it'll be awesome. So like mm-hmm. what may happen is, is I may die and, but everything will be at least set and then you can fly to town and then just yeah. have fun at the camp and do your stuff, you know, and entertain. By the sounds of it, we can just do what Bruce and Steven did and we can just have Marcotte out and just pretend to be <laughs> us. And, uh, let's see if he's available. Just I do the whole like, camp. He'd probably knock mm-hmm. it out. He'd do good. He would do great. Like he's always always there to help and he has like such that like that dj voice you know like mm-hmm. soothing him and nick wood together would be hmm. better than us no doubt mm-hmm. um it's a good thing nick's gonna be here that's first of all let's just put that out there you know nick mm-hmm. wood will he will be here mm-hmm. marcotte hasn't committed he doesn't care jerk. about us yeah. yeah i don't know we i wish maybe we can talk him into it still mm-hmm. we was on time. the phone was on the phone with tyler uh, earlier TC mm-hmm. and he was like see you next week and I was like oh fuck yeah I felt it in my bones yeah on Sunday it would be dope if we could all like get a group together and go see Joanne's exhibit um, mm-hmm. for those who are still in town hey we're going to go down there and check it out because it's fully installed I can't remember if we talked about this on the last episode I have no idea but it's fully installed looks fantastic i'm so proud of her and she has like we said we said this last week too she has a podcast coming out i thought it'd be out already they must be doing some like special extra special editing yeah you know um and i can't wait to hear it because i have no idea what she talked about but i'm sure it was all really good stuff um steven texted me was like yes this is like he loved it she just talked shit about you the whole time that's why they're nervous to put it out I think that's probably partially in there. Yeah, but that's okay. Like I deserve it. You know, I, I get it. 
I deserve some of that. But I'm really excited and and proud of her for a being on the podcast. That's pretty neat. Dude, me too. Um, I love Julian. You got a good um, one. You got lucky, bro. Yeah, like you know, when the right one comes along, you know, you gotta mm-hmm. bribe them somehow to mm-hmm. you know stick around. <laughs> Joanne, Joanne always knows what to send me to put me in my place and get me in the right spot. You mean a meme or a meme or just like my like horoscope stuff or whatever just (laughs) like she gets she finds something and she's like i know dylan like it's either aliens or something super fucking weird Mm, and it just gets me watch it gets me in like the right headspace and she's just Mm. she's just always there she does that for me like all the time too like i just got a text a minute ago and it popped up i couldn't tell what it said but it said i'm sure it says something like hey i love you hope your back's feeling okay and you know good luck Mm -hmm. with the show and all that stuff um How's hey. things there? Things are here weirdly busy. Well, cheers to that, brother. Like, I, know. I don't have anything, but pretend we just did. Cheers. A little clinky clink. Yeah, we've got plenty of boxes, plenty of stuff to print. Um, it is August, you know, so that's that's normally busier than July. I looked at our numbers for July. We were down 3%, which mm-hmm. is small. It's, I'm still it. down. Like... We're still good and profitable, but like we're down from, you know, being crazy busy, but it's good to just be normal sometimes. But um, vibes are up. Yeah. Business down, vibes are up. We're, we can do TVs, that. positive okay. vibes, bro. Can you know what Kyle made me? A beer? The, the Kyle, well, yeah, there's a, a hundred bottles of beer. Wiener Is it ale. his uh, pickles or his You got his it. Pickles? Like, yeah, you got it. You're... Well, me and Kyle are bros. I don't know if you know this, but like we follow each other. We comment on each other's stuff. We help each other with lawn stuff. I don't know if I'm okay with that. I don't know. So, you know, I, I see all the garage dog stuff, bro. Like I know what he's doing. He just made that sick grilling station. Yeah. Did you see that? I did. And, yeah. Uh, the grill, his old grill is here right now at Shirkong waiting for you. Like waiting, waiting for, for your um your master skill set so check this out nice that's um pickles but not just any old pickles i don't know if are you can zuc- tell in are there, they zucchini pickles no they're it's cucumber but there's i'm trying to find there's peppers in here like jalapenos or something mm, jalapenos there there's one maybe nice right there and you know what that means a little spicy spicy for a spicy guy Mm-hmm. So if you file file, if you follow Kyle, you maybe saw in his story that he had a drill that was really dirty. Mm-hmm. I saw and that. Yeah. Cleaned it up. The wall. Yeah. Do you know whose drill that was? Was that yours? My original drill as a young man that I that's it's corded and here it is. It Did looks, you ask him to clean it up? He's like, so it was here at the shop and I've had it for I've had this for like 20, 30 years or so. This is my original drill is like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm a I'm a man, I got a drill. And <laughs> this uh it was like had everything on it, like dirt and ink and oil and Total you name it anyway. And it looks brand new. And the cord it was so old that the cord, you know, was like mm-hmm. uh coming loose right here. And he has a brand new, look, it's shiny. See how shiny that is? Kyle's a fucking renaissance man. And he just brought this back. And I was like, you're got it. You've got to be kidding me. Did you buy me a brand new drill? No, this is your OG. 
I'm going to make him a firm offer to move to New York when I'm there. No, no, you're not. Mm -hmm. um, he's really happy here. Um, and sure, not just sure, sure. Kong, but also happy uh, <laughs> living here in Missouri. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to go up there in that shithole of... He doesn't want to ride bikes with me all the time. We could go no. all together. We could fucking... Mm -hmm. Cut grass. Work on projects and cut grass. Mm. Fucking stripe together. We'll high five as our zero turns mm. pass each other. You don't have a zero turn. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. So right there, that's a, that's a no. That's a no for sure. Um, hey, so you know what came today? No, sorry, yesterday. You? <laughs> wow, that was easy. <laughs> um close you almost got it <laughs> no the quick clean how do you think you spell that dylan how would you spell quick clean well no one mnr it starts with a k <laughs> something in there does start with a k but not what you think q u i c k c l e a n <laughs> i said something started with the k <laughs> So is no. the K is in clean. Yes. Okay. So here's how they spelled it. Ready? Q U I K. Yeah. Quick. And then clean. K L E A N. So that's what they, that's how you spell it. But it's a quick clean and it's here. It is um, still in its crate because you know how that goes. It takes like a week to get out of the crate. Mm -hmm. What else is going on up there? I don't know. I had a nice long talk with you yesterday. I had a nice long talk with Tony yesterday. I feel like I was on the phone all day yesterday with different people. Mm. You know, I've been doing a lot of yard work lately. I mowed the new property again yesterday and then I mm. was weed eating a lot and I got to go back up and do it again tonight. But uh, yeah, I'm good. Everything's good, man. It's uh, trying to pull in the positive vibes. I think it's stretch time. Mm. I got my uh, results back from the um, from the X-rays on my hip and back. Yeah, and that you do have a penis somewhere. Yeah, it's inside. It's like red rocket, like a dog. Um, it's part of my stretch story. But anyway, they told me that uh, I have mild, mid to mild. I don't know what that means, but degenerative stuff going on but they also said that i could be fixed with proper stretching and physical therapy before it's too late like me so i may maybe i'll go to physical therapy once a week or maybe something no, no, get no, no, somebody no, no, to, no, no. i want to do what you do though i want that back room treatment so i i think if you're mild or moderate on your disc degeneration you're right you have hope and you can do some things to slow down that that process and so the severe one is what you don't want so i'm proud of you so like at least you know now that hey wait i need right. to start doing a few things to help yeah. but speaking of stretching it all starts with the screen and whether it's new stretches or restretches frank and his team do it the best to find out more go to graphicscreenfashion.com f f f f f frank.com or greatfuckingscreens.com yes sir Yes, sir. Cleaning screens is no fun, but EasyWay makes it way more funner. Their line of eco-friendly chemicals will make reclaiming screens a whole lot easier. Check them out at easyway.com. EasyWay.
It's the easiest way. Alex's butt dialed me yesterday. That's nice when it does that, isn't it? Chatted with him briefly mm-hmm. and told him, yes, told him about, I was like, hey, do, are you going to print Hustlers? Did you get your ticks? I did. You got your ticket already? Bottom two. Nice. Yeah. How about That's you? Cool. Not yet. Well, it is in Newport Beach, California. And one of your Joe favorites. and I are, yeah, we know that area. <laughs> A little bit south of there is where we usually hang out after um, after Long Beach. And so every year we're familiar. We've got um, the ins and the outs if you're, if you want to know like where to eat so, and things like that. So if you're listening and you want to go do something fun, maybe check out Print Hustlers in Newport Beach. Yeah, November 5th, 6th, 4th, 5th, 6th, 4, 5, 6. Nice. If you or your art department could use some love, then you need to go to 1900hotstuff.com and get in touch with Nick or Lucas. Nick or Lucas. At Graphics Source and let them run your art department mm-hmm. so you can focus on running your mouth. Choosing the right emulsion for your shop is complicated, and that's why we love Crumbline. Go to crumbline.com to watch Kev's vids or contact him on Instagram at the Emulsion Guru or just come to our camp. He's going to be here in person, in flesh, live. Give him a big old bear hug. And then he's got answers. With consent. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Also at our camp, are the team from Howard Custom Transfers. If you're not using DTF or screen print transfers in your shop, then you are a moron. Mm-hmm. SPG, the PG version. Uh, we have partnered with Howard Custom Transfers to get you the transfer you need fast. Check them out at howardct.com. Yes. Mm-hmm. I apologize to Candy again today because I am being a bad customer. But I don't have any other choice. And I apologize and I apologize. But I feel like every order I put in with them over the last two weeks has been a rush overnight. So I'm saying to you and to the world, Candy, I'm sorry. I appreciate you more than anything in the world. And Hmm. well, she just texted me and said she does not accept your apology. That's That's too bad. I thought you were going to apologize because we owed them our, they have the hat art for the transfer, but they did not have the toad art, which you were supposed to do for two weeks. And I would be like, Hey, Dylan, Hey, Hey, Dylan, Hey, Dylan. And then, Mm -hmm. um, I just knocked it out over here. Yeah. You did it. (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) but I did kind of. Mm-hmm. Um. So guess what? Guess who our guest is today? I don't know who we got. Dylan, today we are chatting with Brian Geffen from Duds for Dudes, located in one of the best places on earth, San Diego, California. How do you say California? California. Exactly. That's just like that. <laughs> Hello. What's up, dude? What's up, guys? How you guys doing? There's too many. I shouldn't have said dude. It was too on brand. <laughs> Very on brand. What's up, mm-hmm. dudes? How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Are you guys busy as shit right now? Uh, it's starting to get crazy. June was weird, 
I don't, I don't know how your guys' June was. Uh, June was weird. July has been like picking up and August is looking like it's going to be pretty nuts. It's awesome. Yeah, I was, we were just talking about how it seemed to be picking up over here. I don't know if it's just positive vibes in the world or people are sick of not spending money or what's going on, but uh, it's it seems to be pretty nice. I just, I just had a walkthrough with a customer and we were talking about how I feel like things have been funky for whatever reason, but I also think customers are finally starting to plan ahead again as opposed to last minute because they're so unsure of what's going to right. go down. So I don't know. Planning for the future a little more is helping too. What is that sick ass chair behind you? Uh, this is yeah. Everyone says it's. I'm not a Star Wars guy, but apparently there's some Star Wars dude that sits in a chair, kind of <laughs> kind of like that. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, uh, it gave me vibes of the chair from or the art from Beetlejuice that she sits in, and it like comes to life and like grabs her. Totally, totally. It's uh, it's from Very. You guys familiar with Very? V A R I or Veridesk? No. Dude, oh, yeah, their desk. Yeah, their their stuff is le- like their furniture is legit, but all their whole their whole setup is legit. Shout out like to v- them for turning me on to those guys. Their desk are the like the standing desks. Is that, that the one? Well, that I actually, have? you can sit or stand. They rate they go up and down. I think that's exactly. the one I have. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm on. I have one right now, but they also make a limited amount of furniture. But when we when we moved into our new spot, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about, um, we needed some new furniture and we, we've got most of our new stuff from them and the budget is, uh, it's, it's budget friendly and super comfy and looks cool. That looks so awesome. It looks like, yeah, yeah, yeah options. I, th- I think I've sat in that chair, by the way, for a grand total of like 15 minutes <laughs> since, uh, two months ago, <laughs> but, but it's been a very comfortable 15 minutes. Right. That's all that matters. What made you get a standing desk? Oh, man. Um, not my back. I'll tell you that right off the bat. Um, but it, but it definitely helps. I've had a standing desk forever. So I I, I don't even have a chair like right now. I'm, I literally don't have a chair um, except for that one. Uh, I think I got this thing, man, like almost 10 years ago um, just because they seemed cool. And then I had ankle surgery. And, and at that time, I wasn't standing that often. It was kind of here and there. And then I had ankle surgery. God, when was that? I don't know, eight, seven or eight years ago. And I noticed a significant difference when I was standing more than sitting. No question. Like for the better, I'm guessing? <laughs> for the better, yeah. I have one of those like super cushiony mats underneath me. You know, oh, like I do the, too. Yeah. Like right yeah. here, I have the, I got it. Yep. It's like this thick. I only trip on it like three times a day, but it's it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, probably, I, yeah. I go back and forth. Like I bought the standing desk because my back would hurt from sitting in my chair all day. So I thought, oh, it'd be better to stand and whatever. So I got it to where I could easily move it up and down and I could go between standing and sitting. Um, but I can stand for like maybe two hours and then I'm like, my back hurts from standing. And then I sit and I sit for like an hour and then I go back to standing and it's like, I don't know. I bought this like fancy saddle stool. That's like a roller. Like the nice reason I got it is because I can roll under my desk when I want to stand. Like I just push the chair forward and like stand. But that thing is a fucking ball buster. Like it's like, so crushes my manhood when I sit in it. So yeah, I think exactly. it's just pushing me to stand more. 
have you guys seen the um they're like treadmills that you yeah. can like slowly walk on and mm. I, I i don't know if i'd go that far but um i almost bought one of those way. a little while ago where it's got like the pedals like a bike that goes under your desk where you can like <laughs> just lock your feet into it and pedal and then you, you like power all the electricity for the shop that way too no i would everything would be dead because i wouldn't do it all day but um i don't know it's just it's it's like i don't know if it's a weird gimmicky thing or if it actually is helpful it probably helps i mean you know where whether you're sitting or standing all day i think either either extreme is bad and so like you were just describing standing then you sit, then you stand, then you sit. I think that's good. Even your, even my Apple watch says, Hey, it's time to stand. You know, if I'm ever sitting or whatever, or laying down, it just tells you for a good reason that you should not do that like too much. And so mm-hmm. I think there's something behind it. I think you're doing fine. You're doing the right thing. Sit and stand, okay. sit and stand. Right, just cool. don't do one of the most. And I'm not a doctor, but feel like um, that will work for you. So um, we can talk about this the whole episode if you want to. I'd rather not. No. Uh, how long have you? How long have you been into this? You said you've been standing at that desk for ten years. So. Um. Yeah. So God, I started the business in 2003. Actually, I was a freshman in college. I went to um, Colorado, University of Colorado, go Buffs, and um, started the business in my my dorm room for beer money. Like I think a lot of us. Have. I feel like I feel like it's either that story or the band story is like 80% of the business. But, so you were printing shirts in your dorm? Um, I wasn't even printing them. So um, bef- so back up to high school. So I was on ASB in high school and, you know, I was like the class shirt guy in high school. So I knew a local guy here in San Diego. And uh, when I, I joined a fraternity in Colorado and they said, hey, does anyone, you know, anyone that can make our rush shirts? And I sort of raised my hand and next thing I knew I was the t-shirt guy and used my, my guy out in San Diego and he'd ship stuff to Colorado. And then my roommate who was, um, a bit of a douchebag, uh, asked if I could do some <laughs> shirts for, for his fraternity. And I said, yes, knowing I was going to buy the shirts from, from the local guy here and just add literally 50 cents to each one and just sell it to him. And then that's kind of when the light bulb went off. Um, I made, you know, like 50 bucks or whatever. And, and in those days in Boulder, you know, you could get beers for like 50 cents or a dollar. It was like, that was like a, a week supply of beer. So <laughs> just kind of kept, uh, kept doing it just as a, a super side hustle. I didn't know anything about printing. Um, we, we, I kept outsourcing this guy in, in San Diego who in retrospect quality was probably not very good, but I didn't know any better. Um, and I was kind of his glorified sales guy and grew, grew through school. Um, I think sales, I think that first year, my sales, I was thinking about it. I think $6,000 in gross sales was our first, my first year. You were doing this, um, for like, for, for profit, not just for, um, oh, I'm going to help out like an order here and there for the fraternity or whatever. You're doing this to try and raise, you know, like you said, kind of a side hustle cash to pay for whatever you're doing. For beer. You know, all the, all <laughs> for beer. Um, so Strictly on that beer. note, by the way, I had, so you mentioned you had a douchebag roommate. So I potlucked in on my first year of college in my dorm. And I got this guy and his name was Brett K. But um, he threw up so much like in my, <laughs> in our dorm room, in my fucking room that uh, we called him Yak or Brett Yak, uh, Yak, like backwards spelling of his name. And so he was just fucking Yak, like all the time, every single day I had to deal with vomit. That's that's um, brutal. 
Brad, if you're out there, he had a Corvette too. So I don't fuck know you, if that Brad. Comes... Hey, Brad, if you're out there, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I had to deal with that for a whole year. <laughs> he didn't want you to call him Corvette Brett. <laughs> I like that too. That would have been better, Vet Brett. Um, and the second thing, I had a second thing. Oh, yeah. You said fraternity. And I swear to God, every month or something, we get a, an email that says, hey, you f- motherfuckers, quit printing uh, Greek gear. We're going to sue you. Like, do you guys get that too? Still to this day? So, um, not to this day. So we've gotten out of that business. So, so in those, so when we first started the business, it was totally illegal, right? It was, it was Mm -hmm. just through friends and networks and whatever. And then, um, by the time, I think my senior year, I actually like set it up legit, um, but we weren't licensed. I don't even think I knew about Greek licensing yet at that point. Nobody um, knows about Greek licensing until they get that fine letter of like a hundred thousand dollars. And then you're like either, all right, I'll suck the Greece Greek licensing thing, or I'll just never do it again. I feel like that's the make or break at that point. Like, you know what yeah. I hate? You know what I hate is the fact that it's a letter and they can license it. It doesn't seem fair in the whole, the world doesn't seem fair. I don't say, hey, know. By the way, I'm, I'm going to license the alphabet. And if you use it in any way, shape or form, you I don't pay know me. the exact story. And this might be totally wrong, but I was told a long time ago that it was just some jackhole guy that basically was trying to trademark a bunch of shit and ended up getting in with some judge or something that basically let him do that with the Greek alphabet. And then from here on out, he's basically got like anybody who wants to use it has to pay the licensing. Yeah. So. And it's it's kind of screwy. Like we we actually never got a letter from them when we weren't licensed. When we were not <laughs> licensed, we didn't right. hear a word from them. And then we decided to get licensed because um, at that time we were doing a lot of Greek stuff. And on multiple occasions after we were licensed, they they were threatening, oh, we heard you did stuff for this fraternity or that sorority or whatever, and you're not licensed for that particular one. And so it wasn't until we actually went out of our way to pay them the legal money we thought they owed them <laughs> mm-hmm. that they started coming after us for even more. And so uh, long story short, we, we got out of Greek printing years ago. It just wasn't... Um, the sorority business I, lo- I always loved. They were organized. They wanted nice premium stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes they would say thank you. The fraternities, it was always tough, man. Like they needed it yesterday for no money and n- no appreciation. It, it was it was tough. Um, but that's that's what got us started, right? That was my the network I had, and mm-hmm. um, it was we, your gateway uh, drug. It was it was the gateway drug for sure. The gateway drug. I'll tell you guys a fun story. The, the gateway drug actually made me feel like a legitimate drug dealer at the time. So, <laughs> our big our big uh, rivalry was Colorado State. They were the Rams, and so I think my sophomore year, I decided to print up like I don't know, like five hundred shirts, gold shirts, black ink on the front. It was a buffalo kindly mounting a a ram um, <laughs> as one behind. does. And, and it said, you know, Ram this. And, and I, I, yeah, I think it was like 500 shirts. And I was really nervous. Like, oh my God, am I going to get caught with these or whatever? And we sold out super fast. Um, I think I sold them for, I think we're selling them for 20 bucks at a pop. So good margin on that, as you can imagine. I wasn't, I was, again, everything was outsourced by this guy. And so then my junior year, I I think I I did a thousand shirts. It's always, it was always the first game of the season. And I would just post up on campus, you know, just like, in it with a with a big duffel bag like you know those huge like hockey style duffel bags just slinging shirts 
um, totally cash. illegal, but cash money. It was so mm-hmm. fun. Sold those thousands super fast. And so the next year I knew, I knew if I had the proper distribution, I could sell a hell of a lot more than a thousand shirts. I just needed help. Um, and so that next year we did 5,000 and I used my fraternity brothers to help. And basically we were posted. We all had our duffel bags posted all over campus. And, uh, and I legit at that point felt like a, like a drug kingpin. Cause this is just guys, straight up drug dealing. It's just, it was straight up yeah. because these guys were all in these spots. And all I did was go around and collect the cash. <laughs> and every once in a while, like campus police or real police would come up and say like, Hey, do you have a seller's permit? And we'd say no. And they'd... I'm picturing in you in like a low rider Cadillac with your window down, pulling up to <laughs> one of those like security gate guys and just sliding him a bill in his pocket. And being like, you didn't see anything. And then just like keep driving. It was, it was some, some of the security guys would thought it was funny. And other guys would, would like take our name and number and say like, if we catch you doing it again, you're out of here. And that was fine. Those guys would be done. And then I just put another fraternity brother on the same corner. I mean, it was, you don't it was give them the real name, right? You say you're it's like McLovin or something. I mean, you don't we, say. Uh, we, we got, I, I got, I got popped a couple different years. I gave him my real name. I never lied to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got, it got pretty wild and it got to the point ultimately uh then we started having copycats that got fun so then by my senior year we started having guys that would print like the same shirt um but because we were making them in such bulk i would i would put our guys literally next to the copycat and just say sell it for less than a dollar every time they offer it and then ultimately those guys would get pissed and we just buy their stock at a discount and then resell their stock too it was it was awesome it was it was (laughs) even more so a drug dealer yeah, it was it was yeah. really awesome. Well, the only thing you didn't yeah. do was like put a hits out on them. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> no, no hits. Ultimately, it got screwed up. It got, from it the all, street light. The 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 <laughs> campus, you know, campus uh, bookstore was unhappy because they had their their classic game day store um, mm. shirt that they would sell at their store, and people stopped buying those shirts. Like by the time my senior year, and even even after I graduated, I would come back just to sell those because it was so fun and so profitable. It sounds and, so fun. Um, you know, like I wish that was a part of our company now. Like you that were Heisenberg. Just be... You were you were selling the blue stuff. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, ultimately they banned our shirts. They banned the shirt. So there was a season where they said, if you're wearing this shirt, uh, we will not allow you in the in the stadium. And so it got banned and that that was that and it was it was fun while it lasted but but fun little story i thought i'd share with you guys the dea got you in the end <laughs> yeah yeah so that was uh so you were addicted. But that was my taste that was that was my taste into like wait a minute you can make money selling shirts mm-hmm. and um so you know when it was time to graduate i could go get a real job or keep doing this t-shirt thing and um so what was your real job uh well it probably would have been something in sales. Um, we, the guy we were outsourcing at, at that time was highly flaky. He needed to be babysat big time. Um, he had a, a print shop. It wasn't even in his garage. He converted his backyard. He like built this shack that he printed. I think he was a little six, like a six station manual something. And I, I, I don't even know um exactly what he had but it was like the shack and he just he needed to be babysat so badly so one my summer my junior year i actually had a a job opportunity i I was um living in arizona so i brought my best friend on board jt um and uh that's when we officially became the dudes i I don't i don't know how we i think jt technically thought like he didn't think too hard about it i don't think 
we didn't think too hard. I say dude quite a bit, quite a bit. Like, you know, my, my boys, I call them, you know, Hey dude, that's dude, that's I, well, know. yeah, exactly. I just did it without even thinking about it. That's my go-to as well. I always tell people that, that like, I'm horrible with memorizing people's names, like even people I've met a hundred times. So I always just say, Hey dude, or like, that's my go-to to just be like, I know who you are, but I don't know your actual name. Yeah. It's like bud. A lot of people yeah. say bud. I'm not a, I'm not a bud guy. I'm, I'm or a chief. More of a I hate, yeah, I can't, I can't do it. Boss. More, more of a dude, dude mm-hmm. or dudette, I guess. So, so that's when it was formed. It was born then. Um, so that's when we became the, the dudes. It started me for a couple of years and then JT came on board. He went to uh Mizzou actually out by you, Andy, I guess, sort of, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started selling to, to Greek life at Mizzou, but most importantly, he was there in San Diego here in the summers to help babysit our, our printer at the time. Um, so you were printing in San Diego, shipping all the way to like here, Mizzou or in to Colorado. Like that's a, it's gotta be like four day ground ship from to here anyway. And you got to factor that in somehow, especially if they're last minute, like you said, why didn't you try another printer? Um, was it, it was just, just beer like money. You didn't know? It was it was just beer money to us. It wasn't a it wasn't a real thing. It was easy. It fell into our lap. We we weren't really very proactive about getting orders. They just kind of came. We were both fairly networked within the community, so it was it was just easy. And right. and working with him was easy, and until it wasn't. Um, one, I think it was the first summer after I had graduated we had two jobs due for, for actually local, local fraternities. And the, the guy that ran this, this shop disappeared on us and these jobs were due and we couldn't get a hold of them, couldn't get a hold of them. And we were like, we got to deliver for these customers. So we ended up actually breaking in JT and I broke, broke in. You could like kind of go around the side gate he had. And we, we broke into his, his little shack and literally on the spot, basically all pulled an all nighter and taught ourselves how to actually print. And we, we printed these two small orders. I, I still remember to this day, I can't remember which fraternity, but I remember it was like this Burberry kind of pattern. I'm sure it looked horrible when we were done with the shirts and they were, they were literally like hot. Like we pretended like his house was our house. Oh yeah. Come meet us at our house and we'll <laughs> have the, the shirts ready for you. They were still hot. I, I wish I could see one now. I'm sure they just looked horrible, but, it, but, but at that, at that moment, after that, insanely stressful period um we jt and i realized we we need to find somebody else this Mm -hmm. isn't working anymore and that's that's when we ultimately why didn't you consider that someone else to be you um because everybody had told us don't get into it contract it out like everybody we had talked to friends family the few kind of people we sort of knew in the industry everyone said at that point especially just outsource until you have more business. And so that mm-hmm. was, that was what we did for like a year. We had a, we had a small manual shop. We were outsourcing one type of job to, and then we had a, a shop. Um, I, th- I think they had three autos at the time and we would send our bigger stuff to them. And that's, that was the first time I even learned about the power of automatic, you know, presses mm-hmm. and all that. I think that's and, smart. Uh, you know, I think that if you are just starting out and you are maybe sales is your thing, and you have all of these accounts and and you and you're good at networking and all that stuff you can like i guess you could grow your business much faster because you're not spending any time in production you know you're not dealing with any of that stuff you're not 
you know, I wouldn't say wasting time, but you can spend all of your time in sales. And so I think that's smart. I think I did that, it for like two years. But what makes us then all of a sudden taken under our roof? Is it the control? Like you can control production, the times and stuff like that? Is that what it is? Or do you just, do you like, do you want to be able to do it, you know, yourself because it's fun? Or you you like the idea of manufacturing? I mean, what makes us not just all be contractors, <laughs> you know? Well, I can. So we got in and out of it twice. I'll tell you the first time and the second time why, and I think why it failed the first time and why it has worked the second time. So, so, the, so, you know, we were using this one automatic shop and then we were using the manual shop and, and we, we were working out of my, we were at that point, literally working out of my, my bedroom and my parents' house. And my sister was, was going to school and we used her, her bedroom, um, we actually did own, we owned a geo night heat press. That was the first piece of equipment we bought. And we had that. And we were, I, I have memories literally sitting on the floor of her room, like just pressing. For like small quantity orders and, or something. Like names and numbers was all that was for. Mm. And um, anyway, so we knew we, we knew we needed to get out of my parents' house. So we started looking at leases and we, we found the perfect spot for us. And literally the day we were going to sign the lease, the, the owner, one of the, there were three owners of that automatic shop. And one of the owners called us and said, Hey, I'm leaving. Uh, do you guys want to come rent my, my space? Do you want, do you want to move in here and take some of the space I'm using and, and just rent us, you know, rent some space here and we'll keep printing for you. And, uh, it, literally the day we we're going to sign our own lease and they, he, they made us a sweet deal. And so we did that. So we literally moved into the shop we were contracting and very shortly uh, when that guy left their, their sales like plummeted. And so now they had all this extra equipment. And so they gave us a deal. I, I still remember we paid 2000 bucks a month to use their eight head automatic press. They would burn all screens for us that we needed burned, reclaim everything that needed to be reclaimed. And we had full access to their ink. All we needed to do was hire our own, printers and do our own design and that was a flat no matter how many you printed or did it was flat. two grand flat. and that was during like normal eight to five type stuff or or after hours were they running a shift and then you had to work around that so they were just running one shift at that time um but they had this press sitting there so i think to them ultimately they went out of business okay so they obviously weren't great at business in the first place right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it was just a no brainer for us. It was like, holy crap, for 2000 bucks a month, we can get a taste for getting into production ourselves. Yeah. Right. And see if it's the right fit. We have, we have no debt mm -hmm. on this. Right. It, it, it was, it was ridiculous. It was, it was too good to turn down. And, um, and so we just, we just had our own space within their shop that was ours to use whenever we wanted, you know, early mornings, late nights, weekends, whatever. Um, but ultimately I'll tell you, we were in my mind, looking back on it, we were too small to be mm -hmm. doing that. And so, like you just said, Andy, it was a headache. I was good at talking to customers. I wasn't good at worrying if, if, you know, one of our three guys actually showed up that day and then I'd be out there catching shirts. Mm -hmm. And, and so I just kept asking myself, is this what I should be doing? Is this the best thing I could be doing with my time right now to grow this business? And the answer was no. Um, and so ultimately we got out, we got, we got out of it. Um, with no damage, which was awesome. Like it was a month to month thing. You know, you could walk away at any time. Yeah, exactly. And so mm -hmm. we went and we, we rented space. We still outsourced those guys to do our stuff for a while after that. Um, <clears throat> but it was great to not have that headache and focus on the growth. But then, but then we grew 
And then we got to a point where I, where I felt like I needed that control because, mm-hmm. because the rush jobs and the, it just, it just became too much of a headache to not have that control. And ultimately that's when we went back into it. Okay. Pause was, right there. Yeah. Looking back at that day when you decided to, okay, I'm going to purchase an auto or whatever, and I'm going to go, I'm going to bring production here in house. Do you regret that? Or do you think you should have stayed the course with, you know, sales? Uh, I, I, I think it was a great move for us. I think it was a great move. We, um, we bought, so we actually, the way we got into it. So while we were contracting, we had started to build up a bit of a sales force. At that time, we were kind of going away from the fraternity stuff Mm -hmm. and we were focusing more on schools and teams. That was really our becoming our, more of our focus. And, and so, um, we were very good at at the front office, all the pre-production stuff. We were very good at that. Right. But we outsourced everything else. And so I, you know, you can grow organically, you can grow through a sales force, you can grow by acquisition. So, but why pick one? So I knew I wanted to buy a business. Um, and that was how I wanted to get into production again. Why? As opposed to start from scratch. Why why that route? Like what made you buy an existing screen printing company? Yeah. Um, I thought it was a way to catapult a bit of sales. Um, but we also were, I I knew at that point, I knew enough about the business to know that like, we weren't going to just dive in with, with like one automatic and that was going to be sufficient for us. We were outsourcing just way too much. And so the, the initial startup cost, I guess, in my mind to go and buy a couple automatics and I mean, a whole shop all at once versus finding somebody who's maybe struggling um and and getting a getting a discount on it that sounds, same stuff it sounds so shitty when you say it that way like i get what you're doing but it's just to be like let me find someone who's struggling well i think that exists out there i think that there's some people that are really no, great I, I, i'm not saying it was and, wrong i'm just saying when you say it like i'm, I'm gonna find that's a good like that's a good you know match <laughs> or a good fit plus i guess you gain an instant team you know you're not buying two autos and a dryer and all the stuff and then you have to hire 10 people and then train them if you buy an yeah. existing business, you hope anyway that you they have a team in place that knows how to do some of that stuff. And, and we just talked to like some people that did that. Who, who we we talked to Chris. Remember he bought, he retired and bought a screen printing shop and turned it around. Oh, and... yeah. So, so you did that. Yeah. So we did that. And, and I think those guys would be, you know, when I say struggling, I mean, they were, they were, they were on the fringe of going out of business. And so I think the reality is had we not bought them, they would have got zero dollars. Right. Um, so, so we're actually just so generous. Right? <laughs> You're heroes. <laughs> uh, we're, we're heroes. We're, we're heroes. Yeah, um, no, so we look, we look, we looked at, um, we looked at five different businesses and I got really addicted to like mergers and acquisitions. I thought it was so fun um, to just like, look at the numbers. I've always been, I've always been a, a numbers guy. Math and science is my thing. Uh, you know, I love the, in this industry, I love the math and science of it. Not, not the arts and crafts. Um, and, and so I just, at that point, I realized I really love like deal-making that's, that's my jam. And so, yeah, so we looked at five businesses, some were healthy, some were really on the brink of, you know, and, and it was the sixth one that, that ultimately really was the right fit. And it was, can, um, can you tell me, cause I, that's not really my thing, but can you tell me like, what are the, like five or three or whatever, like bullet point things you're looking for in a business to be like, this is a good pick to acquire number one struggling (laughs) no not not even (laughs) um 
so at that time, I knew we were really good at pre-production, but we were horrible at production because we didn't have any. So I wanted to find a shop that seemed to be under, that was underutilizing the amount of equipment that they had, number one, because I didn't want to have to buy a bunch of equipment on top of buying a shop. Um, that was one. Number two, I wanted to find a shop uh, that was open to creative financing because I didn't really have much money to, you know, it's not like I went and paid a fortune for a shop. So, so what's the creative financing to just be like, I'll buy you out, but I'm going to pay you monthly. Yeah. Monthly payouts. I think, I think this deal we paid over five years, if I remember correctly, I think, I think we did it over five years. And the ownership um, stayed on or the ownership walked away on that. The that ownership walked away. They walked away. So, so the biggest, the biggest piece on why this particular business was the right fit was they had some because they were sort of struggling, they neglected a lot of the equipment. So they had, at the time they had, I think they had a, a Gauntlet RS, it was an 810, and um, and an Anatol, like the old school Anatols, like the purple ones, it was a, what is it called, a Triton or a Titan. Uh, it was a 12, no, it was a 14, 1214, I think is what it was. Um, but they were neglected, like, like that eight color, gauntlet had one head working when when we bought it it just needed a couple grand put into it to like nurse it back to health it was nothing crazy so right. they were underutilizing the equipment they had and they had some really good bones like on the production side i could tell from interviewing their guys like they had a good team they were producing really good quality work from what i knew um it was the it was the front office that was really more of a struggle and that was really our that was our jam right so you you, you took our great front office with their solid core you know, production personnel and, um, and it worked out well. And I, I think, it, I think it was, you know, you're looking like, back on, on it. Go ahead. I feel like that's something that not a lot of people talk about in public, but we all talk about behind closed doors where like, even me, like I'm guilty of it. And like other people I talk to that I'm friends with, it's like, you know, we're really good at figuring out screen printing, talking to our friends to figure out all the nitty gritty and down to detail of like the fucking science of screen printing and like all this other stuff. We can make production amazing. Like we can buy the equipment, we can do everything, but we suck at sales or we suck at social interactions or we suck at just like being the salesy person. We want to be the guy behind the door just producing things. So there are a lot of shops that I feel like out there that have amazing shops that can produce and have good staff and everything, but they just suck at getting sales in or they they don't suck they're just like cruising along like just doing like word of mouth you know what i mean they're not like actively doing anything and it sounds like from your story like you guys were just really good at like front house like getting sales in reaching out doing all that stuff so i feel like you could kind of cherry pick shops where you're like hey we can bring you a fuckload of business or we can buy you and you know, you guys can produce all of our business. Yeah. And, and honestly, like we weren't that good at, at sales specifically. We, we were solid. Right. And we were very, we were highly good at customer service. I would say highly good at that. Um, and still are, I would argue, but, but sales. But I feel like that's most of sales. It's just being good at customer service. Yeah. But we weren't, you know, we weren't like whale hunting, you know, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, we we were sticky, right? If a customer came in, they would they would stick around for a long time just because yeah. of how we would we would treat them. And so, awesome. um, um, and the other ace up our sleeve is because we we outsourced, we actually outsourced the shop we were going to buy for like two months 
to see what we were getting back from a production perspective to see what was happening. So that was kind of cool too. When you acquired them, were you looking for any of their clients, you know, so like, so they obviously had sales, so you're going to acquire this company. Yeah. You wanted good bones and that you wanted production you wanted equipment that you could nurse back to health, like you said, but did they have a book of business that you also wanted? And if so, isn't it one of the hardest things to do to retain that? I mean, don't you expect to lose half of them, you know, just for whatever reason, because hey, I was used to dealing with, you know, Bill and Bill's gone now. So fuck you, you know? And so like, <laughs> what do you, like that happens, you know? And so that's how exactly you... what they say too. <laughs> You're not Bill. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. So, so yes, we, part of, part of, you know, how we came up with the number was how much of the customer base do we think is going to stick around? Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked to some of the key customers as well. And, um, and the, the key, some, some of the, most of the customers we, we, we thought 50, 50, maybe, maybe not. Once we got in there after a couple months, we realized that we were not the right fit actually for most of the customers. Price wise, uh, because of cost or, or what you, you know, they were exactly. paying. Yeah. We've, we've always from day one to this day, even, even doing more on the contract side, we have always been the premium reliable guys. We have mm-hmm. never, never been the price point. Like, like we're, I don't play the, you know, can you beat this by a penny? I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't do that. I, I never have, have I lost a ton of business because of it? Absolutely. But that's not business that, that we want. Right. Um, and so when we bought them half that customer base right off the bat, we, we were just too expensive for, and I was okay with that. Um, and another 25, I was going to say, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but is this a thing where before you buy a business, you can write in a contract like that they are responsible to reach out to all their clients and introduce you. So they, I mean, like, I feel like it would be a smoother transition if you were like, if bill was like, Hey, uh, just want to let you know, like I'm stepping out or I brought someone on the team. You don't even have to say you're stepping out, but like your orders are going to now be handled by you. And they'd probably be cool with that until they find out your price. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter if, you know, how cool Brian no, but I'm is. just saying it's kind of like, you know, it's a little smoother when it's an introduction and not just True. like a, they go to place an order and it's a totally different company. We had the same thing happen here, though. So I acquired it was more like that he was going to go out of business. And, um, he came and worked here and because of his, a certain, like the family situation, and he just needed to step away from his shop because he was there 24 seven. And he was like, man, my life, it just, I can't get this to run smooth at this point in my life. I have kids and all this kind of stuff. And so he came to work here. We got their book of business and the same exact thing happened that, um, while uh, he was even here. And he could, he could help them still like that person was be like bill or whatever was still available, but the pricing model didn't work. And they're like, whoa, no, we can't, what do you mean? You're going to charge that much. Like, there's just no way. And so we lost those customers anyway. You know what I mean? Which is why that you probably had to acquire that person because their business wasn't doing good because they weren't charging enough. Yeah. But I think that happens a lot. I think that's very common. I think that when you're out of the, I think when you're new, and you don't have a big customer base, how do you go out and get it fast? Like one of the ways is, is to be the price point. Like, hey, I'm cheaper. Race to the bottom, yeah. Yeah, like, hey, I'll do it cheaper than you're paying now. And so you maybe win that customer, but all of a sudden now you're like, 
you won them at that price. And then what do you do? Where do you go? You know, and so you have all these customers that maybe makes sense when you're just a one person running an auto, but then you start to add and you start to scale and add a team. You can't afford it anymore. You got to raise your prices. Yeah. You know? Sometimes, so sometimes kinda... that's ego, right? Like, like the, that automatic shop that we were sharing space with that went out of business. I, I remember to this day, the reaction that one of the owners, he came in he was like, guys, we just, we just had our first million dollar year. And, and I, and I could see like the shit that was going on there on, on the back end, and they just weren't running this business properly. And they, and, and, and I said to, to Paul was the guy's name. I said, well, that's great, Paul, but what were your expense, you know, what were your expenses this year? He's like, well, one, 1. 1.2 million. I'm like, okay, who cares about a million dollar a year when you're losing money? Hand over fist? Yeah. yeah. Like I'd rather have a, a $50,000 a year and make 10 grand. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, Josh. So, everyone knows Josh Grizzly Wheeler, but like he said something to me once that sticks with me with that kind of thing is like uh, money changing hands isn't the same as making money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he might've made a million, like brought in a million dollars. You could say I'm a $10 million company or whatever, but when your expenses is like you said, like 10.2, it's like, you didn't make shit. Like you're the negative dude. Like just because you had this huge order come in, doesn't mean anything when you undercut it so much that you're not making any money on it or, you know, you just are bad with money. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not a $10 million company. Like it, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's different. You know, you could, you could go low and slow and have like smaller numbers, but have a huge margin and be doing better than the guy who's got 35 autos. That's doing everything for pennies. One of our one of our core values here is grow strong, not fast. It's and it's exactly the opposite of that, right? Like let's my my business men- mentality is a pyramid, right? The wider the base of that pyramid, ultimately the taller it's going to get. You got to spend the time to to widen the pyramid, right? And that's mm-hmm. not fun or sexy, um, but the wider it, you ultimately, you know, when you invest in the width, ultimately you can you can get the height as opposed to too tall, too fast. That's what she said. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean it coming out. I was was ready for that. (laughs) You knew that was coming. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, So I interrupted you a little while ago, but like, what, um, what did you do next then? Because you're a different shop now. You kind of went the other way. Like you're not dealing with customers necessarily. You're a contract shop now, right? Yeah. So um, when we bought that shop, so I bought JT, my business partner, I bought him out. Everyone always says, "Well, well, who's the other dude? So I bought JT out. JT moved to New York bought him out. Um, and I know Dylan over the various podcasts, you talk about partnering with people and all that. And JT is still my best friend in the world, but I would, um, it's much easier just to make the, make a decision and buy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we worked well together and all that. No, it just, after he left, it made me realize like, if I just want to do something, I just do it. Exactly. Um, so anyway, so, so he left. Um, and as soon as we moved into that shop, that was 2014, just timeline wise, uh, July, July of 2014, the, the, the second we moved into that shop, cause we moved our, you know, front office operation into their production. We had already outgrown the space. It was, uh, 3,500 square feet about is what they were in. And we, we had fully outgrown that personnel wise, job wise. It was crazy. Like first thing in the morning, we'd have to take, um, so reminder, we're in San Diego, so we can, uh, in Southern California, we love using alleys and, parking spaces and all that is shop space because of, you know, the weather. And so the first thing we would do every morning was take all of our shirts or a lot of pallets out of the shop 
And the last thing we do at the end of the day was bring them back in. And that was the space we had. So we know of a shop. Um, we know of a shop in Southern California that has a parking lot, a pretty large parking lot that they've maxed out their building. And what they do is they keep all of their, their pallets outside at night and they hire a security guard just to, to stay there. You know, they have, they could have a hundred thousand shirts outside because that's, that's space that they don't have. You know what I mean? That they're trying to use inside and they just have security. You know, it's cheaper and anyway than having a building. <laughs> exactly. Because rent, I, I think all Southern California shops and, and other areas in the country, but I, I only can speak on, on Southern California, like our rent here is so stupid expensive that mm. I think most California shops are so much tighter when you walk into them compared to the average shop in, a, in other spots where mm -hmm. real estate, just the rent is just so much. You have to make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like rents here are, so California is a little different too, but rents here, we do it by the month instead of by the year. I think usually you guys say like 24 bucks a, you know, 24 bucks a square foot. And that's what you pay per, per year. Here they do it two bucks a month, but um, it's expensive. It's really, really expensive. And so, um, sorry, two bucks a square foot per month. Um, and so you really like, you really got to utilize every square inch. And, and we did that in that 3,500 square feet. Um, but ultimately we knew we needed more room, not just to, to, to live day to day, but to grow. Cause the plan at that point was to grow. So we moved, right. um, we moved a few miles away, um, into another building that was 60, about 6,800 square feet, 6,700 square feet. Um, and we only did screen, we only screen printed at that point. Um, and we were still, we were doing a lot of schools and team business and a couple key accounts from the business we bought were more like full package type accounts, I would, I would say. Um, and so just kind of kept growing. I knew I wanted to bring embroidery in house. We outsourced embroidery for a long time before we did finally bring it in house, but we ultimately did. Um, and, um, and just kind of kept, kept growing that ultimately outgrew that 6,700 square feet. We had to build, um, we called it the shark tank. We built out like this thousand square foot. It looked literally like a shark tank, just this metal reinforced metal. Cause I didn't want anyone to be able to get in steel stuff. Um, so we added kind of a thousand square feet there for pallets. Um, and then we kind of rigged some offices and some bootleg mezzanine kind of situation to, <laughs> to maximize the space there. Um, and then we, uh, we outgrew that space fairly quickly. We, at that, by that time we had gotten completely out of the Greek market, still, still doing a lot of schools and teams, um, more full package and started getting more into the, into the contract print world. And what worked nicely with the contract print world was, um, that type of vendor and specifically when I say contract printing, a lot of like promotional product distributors is who I'm talking about. Right. So, um, those, those guys avoid schools and teams cause it's a, it's a different breed. Schools and teams yeah. are tough unless you, mm -hmm. unless you really know how to do it, it's tough. And so working with schools and teams allowed us to still have a direct to consumer, you know, full margin offering, um, but not sell against our, our contract customers either. And so to this day, we still, we still do both markets and it works out. Um, but we were did growing just, in COVID. Did, did you just like that model? Did, was it, did it seem more enticing to you? Um, so we were kind of dabbling in it and 
what always bugged me was from the days when we outsourced, right? We were on the other side of the, the coin. We used to outsource all these guys and I just could not get over how unreliable every single one of our contract decorators was. I mean, every single one was just so unreliable and unintelligent with the way they were servicing us. And so I always thought, God, I could do this so much better. Um, and I've always been one, like if there's things in life that annoy me that I think I can do better instead of just like saying it, I, I try to, I try to do it. Right. Like I'll, I'll try to, I, I, I try to, one of my friend's dads used to always say, I'll show no go. Um, I try to not, not be that guy. Um, and so I thought, man, if we just are reliable, I think right off the bat reliability, we could be an awesome contract shop. And so we sort of used all the, all the issues that we had over the years, um, our experience with the problems, we tried to solve those problems and just be a great, reliable contract shop. And, um, and we weren't doing that much of it. Honestly, we weren't, um, but it was growing and then COVID hit and that's when things really changed. Um, like everybody in our industry, we got deep into the mask world. Um, and what that did for me is it made me realize how much volume is actually out there. Um, were like you just this. printing them or were you one of the people who bought thousands of them and just had them at the ready? Um, all of the above. So we, so we ended, we ultimately sold millions of masks. It was, it was insane. Um, we, so we haven't really gotten into this, but over, over the, so, so that equipment that we bought, you know, in 2014, none of that equipment exists here anymore. Um, and so what that Anatol, when we sold it and, and upgraded our equipment, we sold it to a shop in Mexico. It turns out that that shop in Mexico is a, is a large cut and sew operation. And they also had their issues instead of cut and sewing shirts, they moved to masks. And so we were doing sublimated masks with them. Um, again, we're, we're like 35 minutes from the border. So it was really easy. So we, we had trucks coming almost every day, just with boxes of blank masks that we were reselling blank and boxes and you were, of sublimated masks. Where were you distributing these? They were going to your schools that you had connections with? Um, so they or, were going to schools. So we were early, we were really early to market. And so we had people calling it was, it was crazy guys. Like we had people that just found us cause, Oh, I heard you could get us a hundred thousand sublimated masks for X, Y, Z. And, um, it was, it was, it like totally changed my mentality on average order size. It's possible. You know, we were bidding on just insane jobs. We were working at one point, we were bidding a job for Costco for 25 million masks. Hmm. And, um, 25 million me. masks, 25 million masks is what they wanted in various colors and patterns. And, um, ultimately we, we actually were not, we, ne we've never been the guys to sell on price. In this case, they narrowed it down to us. And another, and we weren't working directly with Costco. It was through through a kind of a middleman. It had to have like, been cheap. Like it had to have had to be cheap as fuck for them. It it was, and we were cheaper than the other player, but we could only produce nine hundred thousand masks a week for them, and the other guys could do one point four in Honduras, wherever they were making them. And ultimately, those guys got that contract. And to this moment, I'm like, man, that would have been like life changing if we if we got that one. <laughs> Just curious, but, like uh, we don't, I, you don't have to say if you don't want to, but like, what would have that profited you? Um, I don't know. It would have been millions, millions of dollars. One would you even million. have had to touch anything? No, I would have been like, you know, 
uh, anxious. Like you would have just brokered it, weeks. right? I would have brokered it, but we we I'm pretty like anal retentive, and so even with like working with Mex these these guys in Mexico who are great, by the way, they still don't do things the way we do as far as like over the top service and communication. So right. it, you're right. It, it would have been the easiest millions ever made. <laughs> um, well, that would, that's what I'm getting at is like, yes. yeah, I understand that you have the stress and it's going to take years off your life and it's going to whatever until the job's done and out the door and paid and everyone's happy, but still like to have it just be you at your computer for the most part to make millions. Yeah. It's pretty sweet, but it didn't happen. So right. we move on. I think we were all though, <laughs> during that time, we were all pivoting to like, what are we going to do? I mean, I considered, bringing in, I was going to tie dye, like I was going to make a factory here to tie dye things. You know, I, we also did a bunch of masks, you know, like tons and tons of max masks for, I want to say probably almost two months straight, one press just ran masks, you know? And so it was a crazy time and you were trying to survive. And so, you know, you were, you were doing different things. It was, uh, it was wild. I, 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 I liked the fact that it really shook things up, you know, because, I don't know. It was a challenge. It, it was pretty cool. So I know Alex Mimoser visited you pretty recently. And I'm curious, did, was that your first, is the blue water your first auto reclaim or did you upgrade? Um, it is our first auto reclaim. Um, yeah, Alex, you know, it was awesome to have those guys out here, but um, yeah, first, first one. So in our old spot, I'm, I'm, I'm big into numbers and automation and all that stuff. And we just didn't have the room for, for an auto reclaim. I knew we needed one, mm-hmm. but we didn't have the room. And so as part of our move into our, our current space, um, that was like number one on the list was, was to get an auto reclaim. So we did a ton of research for like two years. Um, and we went with the blue water, um, which we're super happy with um alex they've been awesome to work with too super awesome but was it custom um, built for your shop yeah i think doesn't he they all all basically yeah Yeah. i mean he has like a basic model of like this is what it starts with but usually he's like you know it's better if you have more space or you want to tweak this or you want to add another thing and like they can just make it to suit your shop better you know i mean it's nicer to have that ability than to just do a one size fits all yeah. So one of the things we did was we added an extension on the, on the outside so that our guy loading screens, if, if he loads a bunch and then he goes to do something else, the machine doesn't stop because there's only enough room for like one ready screen to just be right. sitting there. So I think we can take, um, six, I think, I think we can have six finished screens before the machine stops itself. Nice. That's awesome. I think it's six, maybe it's five. Yeah, so on our on our auto reclaim, just like you described, the chase comes out and then um, there's a prox, you know, so like it, you're, your next one can't come out because if it did, it would jam into the, to the chase. And so like, yeah, you're right. So we can only have, if you walk away, then there's this chase with two screens on it and that's it. The whole machine gets backed up. That's really, I like that idea. I mean, I guess you could do that with any, you could custom build any, auto reclaim, but it's really great that Alex can kind of just find out what your needs are, what your volume is, and then build something custom that, or I guess you predict out, you're like, Hey, well, our volume is this now, but we are going to do two X that, you know, so you can build for the future. That's really cool. 
Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, that that machine's been we've we had we've done a lot of things since those, you know, 2014 days as far as mm-hmm. upgrades and automation and and I th- I think there's a lot more to be done, but I saw your video. I had posted it when I did the questions for you and it just it looks really awesome. Like it looks super clean, dialed, like really nice shop. So, congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're excited about it. It like killed me for four months. Like it was a, <laughs> it was my full-time job for four months. No question. And that's the all new place, right? That's where you guys are at now. And that's, that's the newest place. Just moved um, June 1st. That was the move itself was nuts. We never went down at any point between moving from the old place to the new is place. This your, is this your forever home? Um, that's a no. Yes and no. um i could see us the goal is to outgrow this space but uh i could see us keeping this space and opening something you know separate more yeah in more central u.s so we can better service some of our east coast and midwest and southern customers you could you should open in st louis yeah yeah maybe by the struggling business shirt con <laughs> find someone whose head's just about to go underwater yeah yeah that shirt con yeah perfect <laughs> just push for uh, like a minute or so until the bubble stop that's kind of it's <laughs> kind of where he's at no it was it was fun to design this space we i mean we just had like an open space and um which i guess is always the case when you move shops but it's the first time that we've moved over these various times where we really had a very clear vision on where we're going and we don't need to guess on, are we going to bring in embroidery? Are we going to like, what do we think we need? We, we really have our, our shit together these days. That's and awesome. so it was nice to really design like, like we know, like with our current design, we can, we can forex our business in the current, in our current home. Um, but every single aspect here is, was designed with that intention. And so it's just, we have like a super nice kind of loop, you know, everyone always talks about like having Good a great flow. loop and yeah. the, the flow is the, the flow is so dialed in here now and I'm sure we'll change it. Right. It's still new and it feels sexy and honeymoony and all that, but um, it makes the building feel even bigger than it actually is just because of the layout, which is something I didn't realize I was missing in the old spot. How, how inefficient we still have tons of inefficiencies, but the lack of space really was, was a big efficiency suck. Big one what is your official role like what are you what is your day-to-day look like what are you working on um man it's so different every day um so i spent a lot of time on the sales side um i think i think a couple people asked about like what does our sales force look like and um all that stuff so we this is going to shock people but we have zero sales force it um our, our reliability is our sales force. Um, and that's part of why I've, I've liked the contract world so much is because we're so reliable, a lot of these people come to us for that and they come back over and over and over again. So, so now I am out sort of hunting those whales. That's, that's me. Right. Um, and so I'm spending a lot of time and, and that's my favorite thing to do too. I love getting to know customers, seeing what their problems are, figuring out if we can solve them, making people happy. Like that's, that's what I personally like to do. Um, so I do a lot of that. Um, but, but just bring them in. And then once they're here, I sort of transition them. We, we call them ISPs. They're our inside support professionals. And so we have, uh, 10 of them and they, um, 
they're all graphic designers by trade, but they also are customer service representatives. So they're mm-hmm. they're kind of two in ones. That's awesome. And so are they doing all the pre-production for the most part too, like making the mock-ups and making all that stuff as well? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's what that's kind of what we do. And it's pretty awesome to where I don't have sales sending it to an art team and then back and then whatever. Like they're making the mock-ups, they're making the whole thing, sending it to the customer, getting it back. Yeah. And then the art department and, is the one doing the steps. And we do we do use graphics as well. Happy birthday, Nick. Um, I think it's his birthday today, from what I understand. I saw, not, I saw one of the presents he got. Yeah. So, so we also use graphics for like the really easy, simple stuff. So when, when our team is bogged down, um, use them for simple stuff. Cause we, again, our, our guy, we, we really try to get back to customers really quickly. We try to never go more than four hours without like quoting a job or doing whatever we can. On that real quick, do you have an automation for that to make sure you get back to them within four hours? Or is it just like the office rule of, try to get back to them within four hours. Um, we don't have an automation. So we, we run Printavo. Um, and so we can kind of see certain things in Printavo, like when messages are sent out and responded to, like we have a, a pre-production manager and she can kind of monitor that stuff, but it's, yeah. it's more, it's more a rule, you know, and a culture than, we kind of have that too, but I kind of was debating some kind of automation to where if for some reason they're busy or haven't got back to them at a certain point, it would send them an automated email like, hey, we got your email, you know, we're on it, you know, we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Just more so it's like they know, like it's confirmation that we got it at least. We we have a phrase like we, I would say to our guys like, I got it, I'm on it. So if you can never get back to a customer quickly, at least just I got it, I'm on it, send that email. Right. And they at least know, but, but to automate, that's not a bad idea. Just as a, I don't, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure out how to do that, but it sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Steven has an, a, an app for that. And the only ones that we let go too long are the ones that come in over the weekend. You know, like if we have, cause our speed to quote is, is extremely fast, but we miss it. Like if somebody at on Friday at six o'clock happens to send over Hey, I'm in a hundred shirts or whatever. Well, they're not going to get anything until Monday. And I think it's a long time to wait. So to have an automation that you can maybe turn on at, you know, like Friday at five would be pretty good. But during the week, I think we're good. You know what I mean? I think that it's, that it's fine. We're quick enough. Yeah. We, I mean, we have that same problem too. We're not here on the weekends. I had talked to Nick years ago and I think they're kind of working on this at graphics, but it would be cool if we could have a person that we train how to do quotes. And so any, any quote that comes in, they can quote it for us. You're and, talking about over you know, the weekend. I mean, during over the weekend or yeah. night, 24 seven. Yeah. 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 All the time. Really. I think that would be pretty sweet. Should be a bot for that. Like just a chat GPT bot AI thing. That you would know. be sweet. The problem, the problem is training. Cause there's like <laughs> every job is different, right? Like in different customers, mm-hmm. It, yeah so i don't i don't know but it would be pretty i, I trust real people yeah yeah so uh nick and lucas if you could get on that real quick that'd be sweet all right let's hit up some of these listener questions some of them we a lot of them we already talked about but let's see if we can get at least a couple out of here uh air 2345 says real question how do you explain the customer the difference in prints we don't screen print in-house but instead we use a contract printer we use dtg and transfers in-house but i am always struggling on how to explain to the customer when they want 20 shirts 
that we are going to do transfers. I don't think most understand the difference. And sometimes I don't even say anything because they wouldn't notice. What's the best way to approach for explaining to the customer and not making transfers sound cheap? So, um, so, so here we, we can, we have three divisions here, right? We have screen printing, we have embroidery, and then we have the division we call the heat applied product. We don't call it heat press. We don't call it transfers. And I think that's because transfers have this, it's like a four letter word in our industry. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And so I love to me these days, it's, it's my favorite of all those techniques. It's my favorite. And I could talk to you for two hours just about transfers, but, um, but we start by not calling them transfers in the first place. Um, we, you're we calling call them, heat applied products. We call them heat applied products and, and we create a whole category around it. Cause it's not just a vinyl and it's not just a D like, I think this right here is a TTF. Um, it's not like, like I'm just grabbing stuff on my desk, but like, here's a random patch, right? Like there's so much stuff that's changed in this industry in the last two years with heat applied products that they're not all created equal. And so, um, for us with our customer base, we're just really trying to educate them. So when they submit an order and a heat applied product is, is the right fit for that order. We don't, we don't just tell them, Hey, we're going to give you a heat applied product. We tell them we're giving you this technique and here's why we're doing it. Right. And then if they, and, and if they push back on that, which usually they don't, cause if they're coming to us, it's because they trust us in the first place. Um, then, then we, then we show them why, right? So we, the first thing we do is tell them, and then we show them. And if they still disagree or, or they, they don't want that technique, then we'll offer them another technique if we can. Um, cause ultimately we've, we've told you and we've shown you and you still don't agree. Okay, fine. We'll screen print it. You're going to pay way too much mm -hmm. to screen print your nine color job, 20 pieces I, that we might not even print a nine color job screen print, but you know, maybe it's four colors. Um, but, mm -hmm. uh, but I'd say 95% of the time or 99% of the time, if we tell a customer, this is the best technique for you. And here's why they're going to trust us to, right. There's not a lot to of pushback. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Either that, or they have the, then they have the insight to adjust their color count or something and say, okay, well, you know, I don't want the heat applied. Um, what'd you call it? Heat applied, product. heat applied products. product. Uh, I want screen print. And so I'm going to just go with five color or whatever, you know what I mean? So I like it. I, I think we might, I think we might change the way we do things here too. You know, the way we describe it anyway, I think it sets expectations better. It does. And, and I like, we're always trying to differentiate ourselves in this industry, right? Like what, mm -hmm. what, you know, Oh, we do water base or we do silicone or we do foil or whatever. Like, why is, why are not everybody talking about heat applied product? You can do so much cool shit for fairly inexpensively that is so unique. I, like, just like the create, like I'm, I'm looking at this, this is, look at this, this is two dimensions. It's a, it's a sublimated holographic thing. I don't know if that kind of shows on camera, but it does. Yeah. Um, it's, it's insane. Like you can't replicate that with a digital squeegee or, or whatever. Um, and oh, by the way, from a from a shop owner perspective, for me to apply this to something, if I have the right tools, it's it's a footprint of five feet by five feet. It's one person that took four hours of training, mm -hmm. and you know it's 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 just way easier. It's less dirty. Um, I, and nine I, out of I, ten, nine out of ten customers are going to be happy, you know, with that. Totally, totally. Yeah, I get it. 
I'm, I'm a big, big heat press guy. We have a lot of growth in that, that world for our future heat applied product. Uh, big Joe 619 says what advertising is a best method for a business your size? If someone could tell me that'd be great. <laughs> um, just you pounding the pavement. We, we really, we don't, we don't advertise. I, I never, the face mask was the best advertising we ever had. Cause when we were doing that, we found all these new contract accounts that were buying face masks from us that had never printed with us. And now a lot of those guys are our customer, our, our screen printing embroidery customers. So I think the best advertising we have is our, is the, is being reliable and not drop, you know, not missing deadlines and people being able to our, our tag, our overall tagline is count on us. That's our, our tagline count on us. And so, um, you know, we don't, we don't, have booths at shows or you know our social sucks if if anyone's been on there it's it's dude you have a lot of good sayings by the way i think there's probably been five not taglines although the last one was but just five really good sayings seriously i could talk all day i don't I, I got i got a lot more than five but my, my wife doesn't like a lot of those sayings I, I, they just they just verbal vomit constant constant mm. You got to say in the right in the right space. You don't want to be in a romantic situation with your wife and start saying stuff. Some of those, it's not very good. Uh, at that one shop says, just a quick question. I would be interested in knowing what your order process entails. Turnaround time from start to finish. How long does it take uh, you from approval to pre-press? What are your minimum and rush order guidelines? And does one job run on multiple presses? Uh, I example fronts on one press and the backs on another. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's a lot of questions in one as far as, mm-hmm. um, minimum. So, so our minimum here. So, so, um, I think you guys talked about this like a year ago and maybe when you said this and it kind of, that's where I got the idea, but we used to do a six piece minimum for embroidery and a 12 piece for screen print. Um, and, uh, and heat applied product. And, this year in January, we upped our screen print minimum to 24. And I was a little nervous about like, are we going to get pushback on that? Um, and I, and then, and in my mind, if we didn't get pushback, probably up it to 48 next year, I can tell you very likely we will probably up it to 48 next year because the heat applied product category has, mm-hmm. has narrowed the gap so much for so much of that sub 48 stuff um as far as turn times go so we offer uh, a seven business day turn time our standard is a seven business day turn time for everything except embroidery embroidery is an eight business day turn um and we offer part of our count on us mentality that reliability is is we try to never say no to any rush um but we do charge for it and so we'll we'll take same day rushes, next day rushes. I think, I think we have, I'm looking at press. I think we're doing a next day so rush right now. On uh, rushes, do you charge a percentage or a flat fee? Percent. So um, I forget exactly the scale, but it's scale. So it's like, you know, one day sooner is a 10% rush, two days yeah. is a 20%, so on and so forth. I think that's the most accurate way to do it because if you're like, oh, I'm going to charge a hundred dollar rush fee. And then it's a thousand shirts. Well, that's shit. You know, that's a big difference between that's a lot more overtime. In other words, to get that done on a rush than, 
Yeah, um, we used to do shirts. So we used to do a dollar a shirt for a rush, and then it does suck when it's like someone wants a twenty-five piece rush or a fifty-piece rush, and it's like, cool, I only made twenty-five dollars. Yeah, on this rush order. So, so sometimes we only make $25 on that rush order, right? We, we do so keep in mind, we do so much contract work that we're mm-hmm. not making the, the markup on the, on the garment, even in a rush scenario. So it might only right. be a $300, $400 job, you know, and it's right. so and then you get a rush on top of it. But back to the previous question, that's our, that's our advertising is shit. I, I, you know, duds is they're reliable. I'm they're going getting, to them. They, they just done. get it done. I need something. We have a customer. This is crazy to me. We have a customer who does not print. Every, they print with a bunch of people as every customer should. I don't think anyone should have, you know, all their eggs in one basket, but um, he will use us when he has a rush job that he doesn't use us to print. He will rely on us to book the courier for him. And he knows he pays us a premium to do that because he knows we're not going to screw up the shipment like that's that's the reliability factor i wish he'd give us those jobs in the first place but um so he'll he won't have the job printed with you he'll have him printed with somebody else but then he'll still have you do the courier service yeah he'll he'll print he prints <laughs> most of his stuff with us but sometimes like like the really really because we're not cheap we're, we're not like i said we're not a cheap shop so if he has stuff that's like just like a white shirt with black print right like 500 of them the he uses mess somebody up. else down the street who can't mess the print up, but he doesn't trust them to, to book the, the courier properly. That's awesome. So um, That's just a testament to uh, what you can get done where and why. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's a nice ego stroke for sure. When, when we get yeah. that phone call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so back to, so those are our minimums rushes as far as our flow. Um, so we have, we have a lot of like, hands in the cookie jar i I think every screen printed job that we do here it's 14 different hands touch it um and i think every embroider job i think it's nine and heat applied i think is is eight or nine um so we have a lot of touch points with within our process so what is our process um shirts come in we we check them in um we, we we count everything you know there's always this debate on with contract shops should are we should we be counting? Should we not be counting? We count, you know, it's, it's part of our, our thing. Um, and more, as you guys all know, more important than ever, right. The, the reliability of, of the, um, you know, the, the big guys shipping stuff in has become worse and worse. Not, not so reliable. Well, yeah. I think that that's okay. Like we do the same thing. So we, count for our, we count in for our contractors, but that's part of the premium service and that's part of the premium price. And that contractor knows that, okay, well, when I drop ship my stuff to Shirkong, that they're going to make sure it's right and they're not printing on the wrong color shirt or not enough shirts or whatever it is. And so I think that certain contractors, the ones who care, they're willing to pay more for that sort of service. And so we just concluded into just like you. I think it's smart. Totally. So so we check it in um, and then we stage it. So we have um, a bunch of Uline carts and we just, we you know, we stage the job in order, you know, I'm I'm just talking screen print right now, but, you know, press one, we have our, we have like lanes, right? Press one, two, three, four. And, um, and so we'll just stage based on the schedule. And, uh, and then we, then we print everything. um, And then it goes to a, so actually this is kind of cool. So um, shout out to Matt Marcotte on this one. So every strike off, so we do a strike off for every single job, the, the lead printer on that job, 
needs to decide, okay, this meets that this passes my, my QC. If they, if it passes their QC, they then go to one to the inside support professional who's responsible for that job and shows it to them. And it needs to pass their QC too. So every single job has to be approved by two, two qualified people here before we run it. And then what we do with Printavo is we take a picture of every single thing we print. So we have a, a literal picture of exactly what it was. And so we can, if we ever need to go back and see it, it's, it's there. Um, one of the things that we haven't done yet that we're going to incorporate is in addition to the picture of the garment have pressure, squeegee angle, durometer, like all that stuff. So a reorder is really exactly like, the same. Yeah. Yep. Um, we do so a lot of that. We're yeah, working on that. But um, so we do that. Then we print, um, then it, then it goes to QC. So we have a whole QC department. Um, every shirt is, is gone through again quickly. Um, and then if it's full bag tagged or finished or whatever, which I think is another super underrated, um, part of our industry, uh, it goes through that department. And then every single job that leaves gets a packing slip, um, put on the box. Oh, everything's color coded here too, which I think is cool. So when things start, we have a white sticker on the top front corner of every single box. And that tells anybody who's here that this job is still in production. But as soon as it gets through QC, there's a new sticker that gets put over the white one that's that's yellow. Um, and then that shows everybody this job is, is past QC and it's ready to go out and certain things happen, whether it's courier or ship drop ships or whatever it is. Right. Um, and then we ship it out and that's, that's sort of our, our job flow embroidery is similar as you can imagine. Heat applied products is, is also similar. Mm -hmm. Well, you ready for some over under Sandy? Yeah, let's do that. So over under, it's a part of our show where I say nine things and you say if they're overrated, underrated, or properly rated. And the first one is cauliflower crust pizza. Underrated. Big time underrated. I, we sneak that shit into the kids all the time, man. Um, yeah. Dylan, Dylan's smirking. You're not a fan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, it's not, it's not my first. If, if I want pizza, I want pizza. Like, don't give me fake pizza bullshit. I think it's probably the maker of it because we had a frozen, I, I, I bought a, a frozen cauliflower crust pizza and i we made it like i don't know it was a couple days ago and we didn't like it and we were like well i was just like you know when it's um you know like normal crust you get to chew it a little bit the cauliflower crust was just like mushy and we're like well this sucks yeah that's that's nasty we had to bury it in like ranch or whatever just to you know anyway so i think we i think it's overrated right now as i stand here but i'm gonna give it another chance somewhere else and probably fresh it's way better I do agree with you though. Like, um, my ex-wife was very like, well, she was gluten-free, dairy-free. And like, mm -hmm. I always had to buy at the grocery store, like obviously the gluten-free items, especially like the bread. Like there's like, you know, a million different manufacturers and brands of bread. But there was always like one or two that you would get where it would be actually like nice, soft, fluffy bread, mm -hmm. not like a car, like you picked it up and you could crack it in half. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's got to be good ones. I just don't know which ones are good, I and think, I probably won't I try think them. We call um, Collie Power. I think is the brand we usually get. I think that's. And you buy called. just the crust and then make your own, or you is it oh, already fully no. made? 
<laughs> fully made, ready, ready to go. My my wife, she, on occasion, she'll go to like Trader Joe's, um, and get like the crust and do that whole thing. But but the cauliflower, actually, Trader Joe's has a has a cauliflower crust too. I think, but like a frozen. Uh, I'm looking. You're her, looking it up right now, aren't you? I'm looking. I'm looking it up. <laughs> cauliflower. Yeah, that's the brand. I think they're actually a customer of ours. But, um, okay. but uh, give that a whirl. He had to say that because it's his customer. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, it's He's great. Like, no, no, no. It's it's, it's, yeah. it's no. Tr- give it a try. Okay. All right. All right. Number two is Costco. Also underrated. Does it have to be Costco or can it be like Sam's Club? That's what I, no, Costco. We're going to do Sam's Club some other time. I don't have Costco. You don't have Costco? No, I have Sam's Club. You've got to have a Costco somewhere. Like you're in New York. There's no Costco near me. No way. None. Sam's Club. We're actually just, we're actually just about to get a BJ's. Isn't that the same thing? I don't know. I don't know what that is. No clue what that is either. I know. Well, I know what a BJ I'm, it's is. It's sad that neither of you know what a BJ is, first of all. But second of all, I think it's the same thing. I think it's like a Sam's Club Costco thing. Okay. Well, Costco, Brian, do you have one? Uh, we have one. So with the move, Costco is the most epic thing ever. So we have one literally like 200 yards away from us probably. And yeah. so to run there and get snacks, like Andy, I think you're big on like getting the team snacks and all that. You probably go to Costco for that. We do. I had to guess, but um, yeah, we fed, we fed our whole team like breakfast and lunch every day of the move just to try to keep people happy because it sucked. Um, and, and we, we go to Costco, like. Costco is the leave. greatest. I buy so much. I want to go there every day. I buy my gas there. I mean, it just uh, never stops. We, Everything. in our group texts or someone will say something about something and Andy would be like, yeah, I get that at Costco. <laughs> he always has to throw in where he got it. And it's always Costco. Well, I'm just trying to help guys out, you know, help, help mm-hmm. the, uh, the boys out. So next number three, Stampinator. Oh, such an interesting timing for that question. <laughs> um, so we do a lot of heat applied product here. We do not have a Stampinator at this moment in time. Uh, I've talked to to Jeff. several people. To I haven't I actually never met Jeff, but I've I've talked to a couple of guys at Rock. We we run Rock, so I've talked to a lot of the Rock guys. Um, I was just talking to Ross about it actually in Nashville, and um, the jury is out on it for me. However, we literally just yesterday got a job. Uh, Here's so I'll give you the use case. Uh, it, it's it's a big job, at least for us, it's big. Um, it's twenty it's twenty thousand polos. It's like a knit polo, left chest. It's like a four color left chest and a two color sleeve. They wanted them heat pressed, and so I said, why don't we screen print it? as opposed to but they're worried about price and so i said well it would be much less expensive at that quantity to screen print than to heat press and so we just had a conversation this morning literally this morning that investing in a stampinator literally for this job is the perfect time to get one to to run it on one of your carousels or exactly so we would screen and then press it at the end and it would have that that heat press effect and um, would you run those would you try to run those on like a sleeve palette though so you could avoid the buttons in the collar uh haven't thought through it that far but because that would be my problem is if you tried to use a stamper yeah. or something like that you would have buttons in the way 
You know what I mean? For your even yeah. pressure. Or he's going to have sleeve pallets on because you said one of it, part of it is a sleeve. One right, you could just run the sleeve pallet for the front and the back. We've done that with polos before where we the buttons were an issue as far as the width of it or whatever it was. And we just loaded them like on a sleeve pallet so that like you were doing that side. And then you would have no issue with like a stamp or something like that because yeah. it would you'd have no buttons or collar. Jeff, if you're listening to this, we need a stampinator, polo stampinator. We need polo one that's just like uh, you know, small four inch, whatever. It doesn't matter. It'll work what on if, that. What if it's split? What if it's like two mini and there's a gap in the middle? So you could do like I don't over, like over zipper. I don't like I don't, extra products. Well, I don't like loading a polo on a sleeve pallet because how are you going to center it right? You know what I mean? So like you're going to struggle with lining it up accurately, I think. You know, you have so, the seams though. Eh. You have like this much seam to work with. You tell I, me you can't grab that and load it straight? Honestly, I like pallet? your point. I like your point, Dylan. I, I think I hadn't in my mind, I hadn't thought about the buttons, but I'm with Andy that I'd rather have our team load a polo on a like a 16 inch palette instead of a sleeve just, just try it i have one of your guys that's good <laughs> with it try it i'm telling you it'll work so so i guess uh as of this morning i i'm going overrated on the stampinator but i have a feeling that uh i will shortly be probably investing in stampinators for all of our machines after after this job i'll be completely honest about the whole stampinator thing and i've just been playing around with a version of one and I think the quality of just printing a tee or a hoodie on a flat surface is it it's great. Like the quality is great. It looks great. All those things. But there are limitations with that I'm finding out with M&R especially is it has to be on a heads down press. It can't be on one where the table goes up and down because it's going to touch everything. It's going to touch blank pallets. It's going to touch shit you don't want it to touch whatever but if it's a heads down press it only comes down when you want it to so like on a rocket works fine on a cobra or a you know gauntlet or something it works fine um but it's just dialing in the temps on it and making sure the pressure is correct and all those things um on the mnr you have an issue where you have to kind of trick it on an oversized palette and make sure like the squeegees moving at the right speed so that you can trick it to be down for that amount of time um so I do think it's a sweet thing, but I do see all these people posting like all these other uses cases for it and stuff. And I'm just like, just fucking put it on a heat press. Like, why yeah, I don't you, like it on an auto. Why are you buying an auto and fucking heat pressing stuff? Like, get, stop selling it that way, please. Like, just go buy a pneumatic dual station heat press and just fucking have a guy run it on there and get screen printed jobs on your, on your screen printing press. You're running transfers on a fucking hundred thousand dollar press when you could be screen printing shit. Like, just knock it off. <laughs> okay, number four, Taylor Swift. <laughs> Properly rated. Um, I don't really know anything about Taylor Swift other than my brother-in-law stayed up like eight nights in a row trying to buy tickets, which he finally got in Sweden, of all places. <laughs> Hmm. Um. So, I'll properly rated. <laughs> <laughs> you you really don't know what you should say for your the fact I, I of people. I love the business. I I love the business aspect of the you know just thinking about like the business of that tour and you know she's out of. I think she's. I think she's super smart. 
I think that she is marketing her team, whatever is marketing her so well. So I can respect, like you're saying, like the business model of what she's doing is really, really well. Obviously she's doing fucking amazing, but also she writes her own songs. Like people that are in her caliber that are doing that kind of stuff. Don't write their own songs. It's someone else's bullshit. Some other person's telling them how to sing it, tell them how to do everything. She does it all herself. So, you know, and also I think the red album is fantastic. So I've, I listened to some of her music, not a lot. I think that she has, I think a generation or two have grown up with her and really love her. And she, and they identify with her like so much so that if you're watching Instagram these days, you can't even avoid it, but you see the reels and she will sell out like a dome or wherever she's at an arena and there will be still 20,000 people outside, like hanging out. And the tickets out. are like $1,200. Their tickets are crazy expensive. And there's people out fucking side the stadium, hanging out, singing along because they can hear it because it's outside an outdoor thing. Yeah. And they just show up to hear that. And then bonus, why she's underrated. She just gave everybody on her tour, like she just spent 30 something million dollars. And like the, for example, the people that were driving the trucks, with gear on it, each got a hundred K, you know, like she, she cares. She understands that like, Hey, this tour couldn't happen without all these, without everyone and we're killing it. And so I'm going to share some of that. I think that was really cool of her, mm. you know, instead of like just building a, you heard it, mansion. you heard it here. Shirt show loves Taylor Swift. I, you I guys need a new, new, like, new uh, <laughs> intro song. I think. Can you imagine like, just I have a daughter though. So mark? like I, I have to listen to her and Olivia Rodrigo, which is also fantastic. Um, mm. And a couple other people in the car at all times. So. And you're, Some, you're there, you're singing along crying with oh, Taylor. Fuck yeah. I, yeah. I, I see that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Number five, boxer briefs. Boxer briefs, big fan of the boxer brief, big fan, underrated. I'm definitely a brief guy. Oh, are boxer you are you asking boxer or are you saying boxers no, no, no. or briefs? Okay, boxer briefs. The oh, boxer yeah. brief is basically the the long, not the whitey tidy, but like the longer one that's tight to your body, right? Yeah, yeah, the that, longer yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're give, give you some good support. I'm a big big pair of thieves fan. I think the I think they started mm-hmm. at Target. Yeah, yeah. I like the old Navy ones. I have like 30 pair of the old Navy ones that are all fun. Like I have ones on right now that are like pool floaty, inflatable ducks and pink flamingos. Can we see them, please? Yeah, I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah, sure. You want to get down here? Yeah, I don't. You see? Oh, shit. That's not the right camera. (laughs) Get down in there. Okay. Look at that. Look at that. that. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah. See, I'm fun. I just fucked my camera. Okay, number six. And this will be very provocative. Extremely more controversial. Than that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not more than that. Rubber coated palettes. Like a rubber pad on them? Um like so we run M and R. Well, M and R has rubber and rock doesn't. And I, so we've run both, right? We we before we ran all our rocks, we ran rubber coated pallets with M and R and Anatol. Um, I I guess properly rated. I, I, <laughs> there's advantages and disadvantages, I think, to both. 
I was going to um, say, I think I've never ran the other ones, but I, I've heard both. I've heard plus and minus to both sides. The MNR ones just hold a lot of heat. Um, and then the honeycomb pallets of the rock don't hold heat as well, but there's advantages to that. I, I love that when you burn one, because we've done that with all presses, um, you can just change the rubber out. That's kind of cool versus ruining an entire pallet. Um, but it's also kind of a pain in the ass. Like those rubber, like I remember like when we, it was kind of a pain to put them on. I don't know. How often do you change? Yeah, they do suck candy? to take on and off. Um, Not very often. I mean, I guess maybe we get at least five years. That means, you know, there's, they last a long time. They Once shrink. the rubber shrinks enough. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they start curious. to curl too. You know, because one thing that I really like about the rocks is that the pallets are so light. You know, they're honeycomb, yeah. they're aluminum, whatever. They're really light. But I think I would miss the rubber coating, you know, because uh, I think the rubber coating is forgiving at times, you know, if you have a bump or something. Uh, I also, like Dylan said, the heat and everything. So interesting. I don't know. I've never ran a rock long enough to know um, if I would miss the rubber coated pallets. So I thought the I would weight, ask you. Yeah, the weight, the weight of the rock pallets to me is like. Every person that every new operator who comes to us that it was at a, you know MNR their whole life, the number one thing they love is the weight. I mean, mm-hmm. it's we have these huge pallets. I don't know. I think they're like they're for when we do huge towels and stuff. I think they're like twenty four by thirty six, and you see them there, and they look like they should be so mm-hmm. heavy, and you can like pick them up with one hand. It's crazy. Yeah. Awesome. Number seven, sambas. Sambas. Is that a shoe? Yep, Adidas soccer shoe. Uh oh, those sambas. Mm. Um, never worn one. Overrated. That, that that is the shoe I was wearing when I shredded the ankle that caused the surgery I needed mm. that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, fuck, yeah, fuck those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck them. I've been a Vans guy my whole life, so I have a pair of sambas, love them. And I was thinking about getting another pair. That's why it came up. I was like, I found a cool colorway that I wanted. All right, number eight. Wait, hold on. Let me get on the colorway. So I was going to say, in my mind, it's always been the classic black and white, which was mm. part of my concern, my issue. But they have colorways now? Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, didn't know can that. Do, okay. there's, go to Adidas, check them out. Well, hold on. Well, we're talking about shoe and obviously his company. What about Hey Dudes, overrated or underrated? Because isn't that a thing now where it's hated just as much as the croc? I've, I've never seen a Hey Dude shoe in real life. I feel like I just get like targeted on Instagram and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I've know. I've seen know. them. I think it's this whole thing like with women and being like, oh, it's so ugly and guys that wear Hey Dudes are fucking trash or whatever. But like they have these sweet camo ones. And I'm like, man, I would wear, I would totally wear those. But they get a lot of hate and I don't want to be like hated for no reason. So I think if you wore those with the, the pool ducky boxer briefs right. and nothing else. No hate. Fucking None. seriously. They'd be yeah. like, oh my God, this guy. I asked about Chucks last time and I put Sambas in here. And of course there's the Vans. And I mention all of these because what's great about those three brands is you can wear them almost anywhere. So like you could wear any of those three, you could wear them to a wedding. You could wear them to work. You could wear them to like, it's, seriously, you pick anything. Any occasion, you can wear a Chuck, you can wear a Van, you can wear a Samba. It's that classic, and that's and I think respected. 
So that's why I love those, those three. Like you're just ready to go, man. You just, you could, you're ready for the day. Put one of those on. Next I have number eight, Sprint Hustlers Conference. Underrated. Uh, I've never been. So I, I, no comment. I, so, go ahead. But real, real, real quick, there's, uh, it just came out Monday, tickets. Tickets are for sale, Newport Beach, right by, well, not right by you, but easily accessible for you instead of flying out somewhere. Should go. I think Print Hustlers is one of the ones a year that I do look forward to just because it's put on by friends of ours. It's more of a networking event than a try to sell you equipment event. So I look forward to those more. I look more more forward to the events that are more hangout events than sit in a room and let me tell you how to buy something. I love print hustlers because it is less about screen printing and more about business, business. and life, yeah. you know? So like the, the guests and the speakers, the keynote speakers generally are not from our industry. And so they're bringing in other perspectives and it's really interesting. So that's why I like, that's why I like print hustlers. And it's the one that I definitely go to. And but and then also the hangs are good. You know, there's like a lot of people that I know. And so it's fun. Yeah. I, in general, I, I agree. Like Nashville, Dylan, we didn't really talk there. Um, in the I was elevator. afraid of you. You're so, so big. I'm just you're intimidating, man. Um, <laughs> just hug me next time. Just be like, yeah. just just come up to me and whisper like, what underwear do you have on today? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that, by the way. I'm a big teddy bear. Okay. I'll see just you, do it I from behind you, so but... I don't actually see your face. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I love that style, right? Like the, the Nashville thing was cool. Um, I wish the industry did something more on like the business of printing, like the actual, mm -hmm. like, like a basic, super introductory high level, like finance and accounting or like the chemistry, like why, like why do heat applied products work? And why is there like, what is the adhesive used that works on a hat versus a water bottle versus a bit like, I'd love I've to talked that. to I've talked to some people about this at different events like this, and it always boils down to it sounds good in theory, but who's going to come? And I don't blame them for this because it is a business to a degree. You know what I mean? Like some of us really want that super nerdy into detail, like you said, the heat applied products thing. But it's like they're looking at it as well. Do I pack a room at ISS with 120 people? Or do I have eight people who really want to know the chemistry of like what's happening when you apply heat to this product? So I agree with you, though. I think it should happen regardless of how many people are there, because I feel like it would grow once people got the gist of it and heard, oh, my God, I really know how this works now. Mm -hmm. And and like more like team um, team input to the vendors on ideas for automation right like i always thought it would be fun to have kind of like the print united thing kind of like that but but like like i was talking to alex about this at, at blue water why does every single reclaim machine in fact andy i talked to you i think in vegas about the the mnr dishwashing thing for um squeegees and flood bars right mm -hmm. cool concept great for automation but why is there not some rig that's shaped like a screen where I can plop my squeegee and flood bar in and run it through my auto reclaim? Like, why does every auto reclaim manufacturer not have that? Um, number one, 
uh, Denial, Chris at Denial built one. one of those. Yeah. So he runs through his blue water. He he built a frame that he sticks his squeegee and flow bars on. For the eco text, it would never work. Um, or it would be very difficult to make work because of the space of the the in the I guess the way that feeds into the machine. The space is too small. Like the pneumatically, this door opens and then the chase goes in and then door pneumatically door closes. You know, the squeegee and flood bar wouldn't fit in there um accurately or properly, I should say. Squeegee maybe flood bar well, now. What if your chase was a screen? It still That's wouldn't because a squeegee would maybe fit in there, but a flood bar wouldn't because we use winged ones and they're just too big and it just it just but wouldn't also, work. But also technically you're not supposed to use 701 on squeegee rubber. Beautiful point right there too. Yeah, technically you're not. Although if you have a proper rinse quickly, if you're only in there for two minutes, two minutes, and then it's rinsed, then I think it would work. Um, but also I think you, somebody would probably argue that maybe that would be okay in some shops, but others you know, you're taking up capacity of your of your auto reclaim with squeegees separate, and flood bars. Separate department, basically. Separate department. And so I said this, I said this to M and R because I'm like, you know, it's thirty thousand dollars. Who the fuck? Like, why would you why can't it be like you're gonna sell a trillion of these if they were like 10 grand or 20? 30 is too much. And you know, you would say the the response is sort of like, well. They have to support it, first of all. You know, there's a lot that goes behind that. And then second, um, the same the same exact thing was said about the eco rinse, like 30000 Like, that's crazy. Like, why would you spend $30,000 to just develop your screen? You could get a garden hose. It's fucking it's a, Home yeah, Depot. It's an automated garden hose. Yeah, that's what you would people would say. But the, but the thing is, is like, it is an absolute crucial part of our shop. We were spending four, five, six hours a day developing screens. And now the same person just sticks, you know, puts the screen in there, walks away with the recipe, and then it comes out absolutely perfect. There's never a fail on press. There's never, you know, when you're with a garden hose and you've done your 100th screen and you miss that little spot and then it sets up on an auto and the team's ready to go, but oh, that didn't wash out. That sucks. That's expensive. And you would pay $30,000 to have some automation, you know? And so the same thing with the squeegee, uh, the quick clean. And I think that having a separate piece of equipment for that and a separate chemical that is the appropriate chemical a proper chemical for the squeegee is probably the the right answer if that makes would sense would you ra would you rather have your developer for 30k or the quick clean for 30k developer because that was our first so we do have the quick clean just came yesterday <laughs> um but i would say that you know, prior to that, we had an we had a like a dishwasher thing that was cleaning our squeegees and flubbers, but it wasn't wasn't very good. So it wasn't as efficient, wasn't as fast. And I mean, I think you get to a point where you're cleaning enough squeegees and flub bars, you need some sort of aut automation. I mean, it just makes sense, you know. It's like there's a person that's standing there doing it forever, you know, for hours. And so you want to just be able to slide it. What's so great about the quick clean is you can just slide it in the machine. You know, it's made for an MNR squeegee. They can make them for other ones too, but it just slides right in and it cleans it really well. And so I think that's, I think that's worth it. And so you can put a, you know, you can, you talk about being um, a data or a numbers driven guy, you can look at it and you can amateurize it and say, Hey, does this make sense? You know, over time to purchase this. And then uh, the answer is yes. It's just like an auto reclaim. I mean, it's, it's amazing what an auto reclaim does to your shop and your quality quality of life. And when you get it and it's working, you're like, why didn't I do this like 10 years ago? 
you know, like I should have just had this machine and yeah, it wouldn't have fit and all that kind of stuff, but it's just, fuck, make it fit because it's awesome. It's an awesome machine. Another thing too, is it's all this level of automation with tools for screen printing is meant for you at a certain point in your career or the growth of your shop. Mm-hmm. It's not meant for a manual shop to go buy a $30,000 squeegee cleaner. It's meant for a person to be like, dude, we're, this fucking person is standing here cleaning squeegees and blood bars all day long. And mm-hmm. it's insane. Yeah, Let's it's a pain a point, you know, to put it you in. Get, they get dumped off on a stainless table, you know, eight color job, nine color job, five color job on and on and all day. All of a sudden there's like 60 of them. And then you have guys like, hey, I need a clean squeegee. And so they're stopping a press. Oh, let's clean, clean this thing off, you know, and you're like, you're screwed. And so, I mean, how expensive is it not to have one? (laughs) Really? So, yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know. That's my, how do we get on this? Yeah, we got one more. Number nine, complimenting someone. Underrated. Underrated. Severely underrated. Severely underrated. Yes. Would anyone would anyone say overrated to that though? And like anyone, oh, that's for real yeah. assholes. Yeah, definitely <laughs> real assholes. I it's uh, a, I don't do it enough. I I know I need it's like something, like I need to do it more. I know that everyone mm-hmm. does, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, do you guys have like certain people in your shop that when you do compliment them, you can just see see it like they appreciate it so much versus other guys are like, okay, thanks. And then you naturally want to compliment those people even more. I do it a lot. And I don't know if they, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I could walk out in the shop, like I go from here to shipping, receiving and walk past four people. And I could just have my head down or I could just walk and not say a word. But if I walk by someone and look at them and be like, fuck yeah. And then like give them a high five at the same time, like they instantly like laugh or smile or like are on board with it. And it just is like. I don't know. It's just nice. And I find my, I find myself thinking the thoughts sometimes like I'll walk by Jerry and he'll have a cool pair of Jordans on. And I'll say and to myself, I think, Oh, those are, I like his shoes or I like those Jordans. But if I would just say it like to him, it's, it's nicer. Like it's a nice thing. Like it's good to hear. Like when somebody says, Hey, I like your shoes or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's good to hear. I like to be real toxic and say something bad about them and then compliment them right after. It's like a Sour Patch Kid. Yeah. Like, wow, that print looks terrible. You should do better next time. But I really like your hair. (laughs) Okay. You think Sour Patch? How about I got one for you? Sour Patch Kids, overrated or underrated? They are massively underrated. They're delicious. However, they are poison. I like the the blue ones. (laughs) I mean, it's sugar, pure sugar, and and it's going to kill you. But they're delicious. You know what's the worst? of those is sour skittles because i love them and they're delicious but they destroy my mouth like Mm -hmm. i used to buy them when i went to the movies and they give you that like medium to bigger size bag because they make you feel like you're spending eight dollars on a bag of candy it should be at least not a small bag you don't go to cvs before and (laughs) tongue is annihilated for like a week my go-to for the movies are hot tamales used to be Hot tamales or Twizzlers, giant. I was bag. expecting you to say oh. snow caps. Red vines, red vines over Twizzlers, Andy. Got to go with the red vines. Those are good I always, too. I always go with Bunch of Crunch. Bunch of Crunch is my go-to movie <laughs> snack. 
I don't go to that many movies. I feel like since I had kids, my kids are young. I don't, I don't know exactly how old. At, at least are, once or twice a week. Yeah, I go like twice a year, three times a year, like to the movies, and it's awesome just to like be in silence usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, my, it's one of my favorites. Um. Well, do you have any questions for us? Any last comments? Anything you want to talk about, real quick? Um. Shirt show no. underrated, overrated. I'm, or I'm, I'm trying rated. to. I'm trying to think if there's a. Yeah, like so. Do you guys offer? Do you guys do heat applied products in your shops? Mm-hmm. Both of us have been a bigger advocate of it this year. And do you, Dylan? You said you have a stampinator. Andy, do you do you have a stampinator? I do not have a stampinator. Um, we use currently use action roller squeegees. Action rollers. Um, uh, and but I'm, you know, seriously considering one. It we only have so we have two cobras that it would work on because, like Dylan said, our sportsmen they it wouldn't work. Um, and so um, I'm interested in one. I have always. I think they would do. I think there's certain applications. It's a no brainer. Like it would be awesome to have. Um, but um, the first part of your your question was: is we built out a department, an entire department based around um, DTF. Or screen print transfers. And so I bought um, two MEM shuttle, you know, presses. And we have the same thing for our, for uh, that's how we put labels, neck labels on shirts. And so this entire area over there sold or actually gave away my vinyl cutter and all of my vinyl. I had probably $5,000 worth of vinyl rolls, two giant racks with, they're all tubes, you know, like yards, yard, thousands of yards. Glitter this, neon that, whatever, bullshit. It's all gone and I'll never touch it again. And I had to get rid of it because we'd, we'd end up just selling, you know, like somebody come to the front counter and like, da, 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 and we're like, ah, oh, fuck. And so we'd have to cut this vinyl and it was just, so now we just do, now we can just order it in if we want, you know, I just don't want to have to mess with that and take up space. And so we are going heavy into uh, DTF when it's the right option and not heavy enough. Like you just, you pointed out earlier, you, you, you held up a couple of things like, you know, we could do besides just DTF, we could also do these um, silicone transfers or even uh, patches and things like this. I think it's smart. See, we, we're the same way as like, we've been doing ordering all these things and normally we would have uh, cut some vinyl or whatever, but uh, I don't want to get rid of my vinyl cutter. Cause just yesterday we had someone that's a friend of ours come in and say, can you make me two shirts today? And we, we just wanted to cut them vinyl because they were both separate. And it it was it was perfect for that job. It sucked. I mean, it was two bodysuits. One said, hey, Matt Reif on the other one, which is a comedian. And the other one said, want to have a threesome. And the only way for me to do those would have been right then and there in vinyl. So, I mean, you could have burned a screen, but uh, yeah, it costs more. It takes takes longer. Yeah. But I uh, I we don't want ha- to be able to do that. <laughs> we just converted our... Um, brother what is it gtx to for that purpose but yeah that's like a what twenty five thousand dollar paperweight basically that <laughs> versus a, a couple thousand dollar final cutter mm-hmm. all right i got a, i got another question i gotta ask you because i ask everybody this because it is it drives me insane would you guys pay i don't know 20 30 50 bucks a month 10 bucks a month if any of our vendors had some sort of technology. They all have computers on these machines we buy, right? Whether it's 
our our screen print presses or or even even the auto reclaims, right? They all have computers. Would you, would you subscribe to a service for 20 bucks a month if they could just tell you via the cloud how fast your presses are moving? What like all the all the simple data that they could probably program mm -hmm. and then collect between the thousands of us out there that are willing to pay 20 bucks a month. Like, I think it's insane that no one's done that. Yeah, they're all starting to do that or trying to do that. Uh, the new MNRs all have that where you can do setup time and downtime and all this stuff to get all the variables and whatever else. But yeah, I think if it was something that you could plug into any piece of equipment or even if it was a touchscreen thing where you could just put in, it took me this long to set up, it took me this long to print the job, whatever, it would be really cool if it could all come back to a cloud thing on your, in your office. I don't know, I think he's, have data. I think you're talking more Wi-Fi and you could access it remotely. You're not counting on a press operator touching a screen and entering things like that. You want to know basically just in an well, eight-hour production. For certain equipment. Like in a, in a per hour in a shift, how many times did the press index, let's say, or something, you know, what speeds or something, something like that. Ex you know, exa so. Exactly. Exactly. Just, just without somebody, because we have all that data that somebody's plugging in, but then you're relying on a human. And I think there's a way to skip that. Yeah, there's probably, but I don't know that you would get all the data you wanted, but you could just get some basic stuff. Basic stuff and then make it cloud. But, or even mm -hmm. like, again, when I, you, know, you go back to when Alex was out here, I was talking about how cool it would be if we could scan. I'm, I'm big into QR codes. I think with Nikki, you asked QR codes over mm -hmm. under and, yeah. and like so underrated. We have in our break room, we have a QR code for every single item. So if we run out of something, people can just scan it and it like sends an email to buy more. Like so we're, we're doing the same thing with with our chemistry too and our inks. So if, if we're low on, you know, white, yeah. just scan it and it goes to our production manager who can verify we need it and then he clicks a button. Um, but like, imagine if if you could have some service where whether it's an MNR, whoever, whatever the product is, you scan your chemistry and you're putting five gallons of this chemistry in and these machines all know approximately how many screens they're cleaning per hour like that would be cool if it could break down what my actual cost per screen is via the computer mm -hmm. just by scanning something once a once a week or every month i just it's just we need more of that man i agree, I agree. so i'm relying on shirt show to make that happen all right okay. we're on it i know there's a listener i know there's multiple listeners we've talked to before that are very techie nerds that are mm -hmm. probably going to be able to work this up and send us a dm after this episode um, comes out and say, oh, I could do that. Steven Campus Inc. sent me a video once of he did that. So he's got something. So hit you know, call him or text yeah. him and say, what I would, you have, I would pay. Man. I would pay for that. I think a lot of people would pay for that. I think I agree with you. What was your saying for, did you say got it on it? What, what did you say earlier? I got it. I'm on it. I got, I got it, it. I'm on it. Yeah. So I got it. I'm on it. That's what, that's what my saying is for this. Okay. Got it. I'm on it. I'm going <laughs> to. Or Steven's on it. That's what I meant to say. Brian, cheers. Thank you. Thank coming you for on coming on, dude. Nice talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. When uh, when will we see you next? What what are you going to? Uh, for well, are you going to magic? Are you going to the magic sourcing show in mm -hmm. like a week in Vegas? You guys hate Vegas, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not as not as much anymore. It's okay. Yeah, Tyler uh, opened my eyes, but we yeah, have Mr. show camp next week. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. So yeah, so I'll be at, at Magic. Um, I'll for sure be in PPAI and then 
um what's it called now uh the not iss whatever it's called now Long Long Beach. Beach. oh yeah um don't you come to san diego in like december january andy yeah we, we were in where were we la jolla well we were his, all over san diego his month his month-long vacation usually after christmas we're gonna try and do two months yeah so we'll be down well, there come, we can hang out yeah come come hang um we're like eat some cauliflower minutes. eat some cauliflower sure. uh sure. show me yeah, the right stuff pizza show you the california burrito world here um yeah uh print hustlers comp i don't i don't know um i saw that it came out the dates the dates i have some conflicting things going on that weekend cancel those things come on up to newport because it's at a theater talk about movie theaters it's at a movie theater and um it'll be fun we'll learn some stuff we'll um have some we'll hang out beers maybe no <laughs> iced tea yes all right man have a good one all dude. Right. thanks guys see you later, later.